the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you practice the first seven Beatitudes, and and I want to go over them again. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn over their own sin. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. Verse 6, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 7, if you practice mercy to those who don't deserve it. And verse 8, blessed are those who are pure of heart. Last week we looked at blessed are those who are peacemakers, which means you introduce people to Jesus Christ who can actually bring true peace. If you practice the first seven, Jesus is saying, you are guaranteed to experience number eight, which is persecution. It is guaranteed. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Take your sermon notes if you would. I want to speak to you on this topic, Happy Are the Persecuted, which doesn't even make sense. This is the eighth and the last of our Beatitudes. We've been preaching through the Beatitudes, and this is number eight, the last of eight. And I'm, I'm actually a little sad because uh, I've so enjoyed teaching through them, uh, that it comes to a conclusion. How many of you have enjoyed the series on the Beatitudes? It's been good. Oh, it's been good. Well, I want to begin by uh, using your imagination. Uh, Let's suppose you're in the market for a new car. And so you've picked a car out, but you go to a, a car lot, you want to test drive it. And so there's a salesman there in the car with you, and, and as you're, you drive it off the lot there, you're going to drive it down, you're driving down the street. The salesman says this to you. He says, you know, you know, you get in this car, after about 45 minutes, because of the way the seats are made, your back is going to hurt so bad, you're going to need about two months of therapy just to walk again. You kind of look over at the old boy, and well, that's, that's not very good for a salesman. And then he says, and, and you know, the repairs on this thing, this car breaks down all the time. You, you, could, you could pay for two kids going through college is what's going to cost you to pay, pay for the repairs on this car. Oh. 
And then he says, and besides that, when you drive down the street, everyone is going to laugh at you because the color of this car is hideous. Now, a salesman would never say those things if he was trying to get a sale. Would you say amen to that? Which makes you wonder, what in the world was Jesus thinking? When he delivers the eighth and final beatitude, if he's trying to get people to actually follow him, he says in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11, blessed are you. Now, just so you know, this whole, the whole time we've been studying, he's been talking third person. Blessed are those. He's talking to these people, but he's saying those. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. But now he brings it right to them. Now he's talking about, them. he said, blessed are you. And he's getting personal. When people insult you, when people persecute you, and when people say all kinds of evil against you because of me and what he's saying here he's bringing it down he's saying hey if you're going to follow me you need to understand that uh you're going to be persecuted now if jesus didn't lose uh, his audience in the previous seven beatitudes he lost them here there's one thing about jesus as you read through the scriptures he's always looking you right in the eye okay you've ever done that to somebody jesus will always tell you the truth whether you like it or not And the truth is, for anyone who's even thinking about becoming a Christian, Jesus wants them to know, don't even think for a moment that it's going to be easy. That's why I can't stand the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers. And I hear them all the time. They drive me crazy. As though if you become a Christian, being a Christian is going to be a piece of cake for you. No. In reality, it's just the opposite. Being a Christian, Jesus is letting them know right up front, is going to be one of the most difficult challenges of your life. There are three things that Jesus wants us to know in this text. Number one, he wants you to know that persecution is guaranteed. You will be persecuted. Here's the deal. If you practice the first seven Beatitudes, and and I want to go over them again. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn over their own sin. Verse five, blessed are the meek. Verse six, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 7, if you practice mercy to those who don't deserve it. And verse 8, blessed are those who are pure of heart. Last week we looked at blessed are those who are peacemakers, which means you introduce people to Jesus Christ who can actually bring true peace. And here's a law. It's like the law of gravity. I want you to write this down. If you practice the first seven, Jesus is saying, you are guaranteed to experience number 8, which is persecution. It is guaranteed. Now, the opposite is true as well. If you're here today and uh, you're not going through any type of persecution, no one's heckling you, no one's ridiculing you, no one is saying, shh, would you keep it to yourself? If no one is trying to punish you or tease you or mock you or hurt you in some form or fashion for your faith, it is proof that you're not living the first seven. Because if you live the first seven, Jesus makes this very clear. We are guaranteed, absolutely, unequivocally guaranteed to be persecuted if you're obeying or living the first seven. Now, Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. He said, it is a 
fact. It is not an option. Everybody say fact. It is a fact. It is not make-believe. This is the fact that everyone who wants or desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you will be what? You'll be persecuted. It doesn't say that you might be persecuted. It doesn't say, hey, you know, the odds are you're going to be persecuted. It doesn't say, hey, there's a pretty good chance you could be persecuted. That's not what it says. Paul says it is a fact. It is the law of God that anyone and everyone who wants or desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It is the law of God. And the reason is that anytime you go against the, the status quo, Anytime you go against the world, the world is going to persecute you. And in the words of that great theologian, Uncle Sion Duck Dynasty, it's a fact, Jack. (laughs) I want to show you something. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see in your Bible. It talks here about what I call the status quo. I want to explain status quo. Status quo is the way the world in general things. The way the world acts, the way the world talks, the way the world believes. And that is what most of you, you used to be like that. There was a time in your life where you, you, some of you used to live. You acted like the world, you talked like the world, you followed the cravings of the sinful nature. You lived a life of this, you used to do those things. And Ephesians 2 talks about this, okay? I want you to see, I want you to see it in the Bible, all right? Look at chapter 2, verse 1, Ephesians. As for you, okay? You were dead, Fred, in your transgressions and your sins. Verse 2. In which you used, you used to live. This is the way you used to live. When, and this is the, this is the status quo, I'm, I'm explaining status quo to you. Uh, this is the way you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You know there's actually a spirit at work, a spirit of disobedience that's alive and well working inside. It's the prince of the air. It's the, we're talking about status quo here. Now look at verse 3. What's the first word of verse 3? What's the first word? All of us. So, now now, now think about this. He's saying now all of us. We used to, we used to live among them. We used to be a part of the status quo. All of us used used to be in that that world. That's what verse 3 is saying. All of us used to live among them at one time. Gratifying, he's talking about us. We used to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature and followed its desires and thoughts like the rest we were we were we, we were like everybody else we were by nature objects of god's wrath and and if you're not living right if you're living in disobedient you are you are the ob- object of of that wrath right and, and, and but look at verse four something happens praise god oh i love verse four we experience three things here they are verse four but because of his great love everybody say love oh that was well, a good thing we got that going for us But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? Mercy. That's the second thing that we have. We have love and then we have mercy. And it says in verse 5, 
He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by, what's the third thing that we have? It is by grace that you have been saved. And so those three things, you just read it. This is, this is our story, all right? We used, we used to be a part of status quo. But we ran into God's love, we ran into God's mercy, we ran into God's grace, all found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we were living right there in the midst of the world. We were satisfying the sinful nature in deed and in thought. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes along in His love, His grace, and His mercy. And He picks us up. Not physically He picked us up, but but spiritually He picked us up and He cleaned us up and He gave us a, a new heart and He gave us a new mind and He gave us a new spirit. And then... He put us right back down where he picked us up from. We're still living in the midst of the world. But now we have a new heart, a new mind. We have a new spirit. I want you to write this down. Anytime you leave status quo, it pits you against status quo. You see, before you were living in the world, you you were a part of the status quo until God saved you. And now he's called you to live a life of holiness, a path of righteousness, a path of godliness. And the reason you're persecuted, the reason anyone is persecuted, is because when you try to live for Christ, you are bucking the system. You are going against the stream. You are going against the status quo of the world. And as long as you're going to go against what the world wants, the world is going to fight and ridicule and persecute you as a believer. Godliness generates hostility from the ungodly. Now, there are three levels of persecution. Number one, write this down. First is verbal. Jesus, you just read this in verse 11, Matthew 5, 11. He talked about when people insult you. That's a, verbal, that's a verbal form of persecution. If I asked some of you right now to tell me your story, some of you could actually give a testimony of where you have verbally been harassed because of your faith. Some of you could tell me stories about how you were with your friends and they wanted to do something wrong and you said, no, I'm not going to do that and how they actually made fun of you and laughed at you because you refused to give in to sin or to temptation. Some of you could stand and give testimony this very moment how the moment you became a Christian that your entire family, your own flesh and blood turned against you because simply because you became a Christian. There are people in this room right now who you were at work and you stood up for a moral cause and there came time for a promotion and you did not get the promotion because you were the one who stood up for a moral issue at work. Did you know that right now in the United States of America, it happened this week that you can be fired from your job for simply stating that you believe that a marriage is a union between a man and a woman, something that has gone on for 5,000 years, something that is in the Word of God, and that at the, in the work environment in the United States of America, you can be fired for simply stating the words that you believe a marriage is a union between a man and a woman. That's where our country is today. It is a form of persecution. You stand up for any issue. You begin to fight for uh, pro-life causes. You want to protect the baby inside the mother's womb. You stand up for biblical marriage. Take your Bible to work. Take your Bible to school and see if the world doesn't laugh at you, ridicule you, verbally abuse you. And the next level up, write this down, it's physical persecution. See, at first it's verbal, then it becomes physical. This is a step up from verbal abuse. 
My only regret in this sermon, my only regret, is not having the time to tell you of the physical persecution going on in the world around us today. People who are being tortured and beaten and jailed, they're, they're physically being persecuted because they have carried a Bible when it, where it's illegal to even own a Bible, or they share their faith where it's illegal to share their faith, or, or they have done something in the name of Jesus. Today, uh, I'm not talking just about a verbal lashing, but a real, actual, physical imprisonment. Uh, I could give you several examples. I'll, right now, today, in Egypt, recently, there were 38 churches that were destroyed, 23 were vandalized, 58 homes were burned, and six Christians died, and seven Christians were kidnapped. That happens month after month after month after month in Egypt this very moment. In China, the eastern part of China, this was in the news. I saw this just yesterday. It happened on Thursday. The government came into a large Chinese church. Now, there is an underground church. It is, it is a church where they meet in secret, in hiding, all over China. But there is an above-ground church, but it's government-sanctioned, which means they check on everything that you do in that church. And recently, there's, a, there's an above-ground church there in China, and the government has threatened to bulldoze. They've said they're going to bulldoze the church down. It started on Thursday, so the people of that church, 24 hours a day, seven days, uh, 24 hours a day, since Thursday, Friday, Saturday, today, they're there right now. There's thousands out in front of the church, and the inside of the church is packed with thousands of people. They've decided they're going to stand their ground so that the government will not bulldoze down their church. And the reason that is stated while the government wants to bulldoze down the church is because they're concerned about how fast the church is growing that it's an unsustainable manner. But the people on the ground say that the real reason the government wants to destroy the church is because of the crosses that are up on top of the building. They're trying to take down all the crosses off all the buildings. There's a verbal, there's a physical. Number three, there's death. People around the world, there are more Christians dying for their faith today than at any time in our history. It is estimated that this year, that some 100,000 people will die simply because they are a Christian. This week, since last week when you were in church, I have a picture of a girl. She's 25 years of age. Her name is Mary Sama George. She's a Coptic Christian living in Cairo. And this week, just a few days ago, a Muslim mob dragged her out of her car beat and stabbed her to death they slit her throat and the reason she was targeted was because she had a cross hanging on her rearview mirror it's happening all over the world today i have a book in my library called the fox's book of martyrs if you do not have that book you need to get that book and you need to have that in your library as well it's a book that records for us the ancient early christians and the way that they died Many Christians in the first century died for their faith. They were tied to stakes and set on fire. Some Christians were fed to lions, and some Christians were literally stoned to death. In that book are gruesome stories. I, I don't want to tell them to you, but they are gruesome stories of people who died because they stood up and said, I am not ashamed to tell you that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, you believe that? Then we're going to kill you. You better deny Jesus Christ. And over and over again, they refused to deny their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so they were put to death. So now we come to the Beatitudes. It's a new kingdom. We have these first seven Beatitudes. Everything's rosy-dozy. 
And then Jesus says this, if you're going to live for me, I want to tell you one thing. There's one, there's one last thing I want to tell you. I, I, I'm going to guarantee you that if you follow me, it, it's, not going to, it's not about having riches. It's not about having fame. There's one thing you're going to get. Not riches, not fame. Here's what you're going to have. You're going to be persecuted. Because anyone who truly follows Jesus Christ, you better be prepared. You will be persecuted. Now, the second thing that Jesus says in this text is that persecution is a gift. What? Yes. He says it's a blessing. Blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted. It's a gift. Now, I know this sounds strange. And again, I feel sorry if you've not been here the first seven messages because every one of these are different than what they messed with people. And, And now he says, hey... Not only are you going to be persecuted, it's, it's a blessing to be persecuted. Three, three things, write this down. Number one, it's proof that you've been living a righteous life. It says, blessed are those that are persecuted because of righteousness. So if you're persecuted, you can kind of know in your heart that you've, you've been standing strong. You've been faithful. You've not been mimicking the world. Which, by the way... If you don't want to be persecuted, it's very easy not to be persecuted. All you have to do is mimic the world. Because if you mimic the world, the world's not going to mess with you. But if you decide to live a righteous life and to stand for righteousness, you will be persecuted. So when you are persecuted, you can take note, hey, hey, I'm, I'm living out what Jesus talked about here. Can, can someone say Amen. Secondly, it causes you to fully rely upon God. When you're, when you're persecuted or, or you're in a difficult situation, you have no, no, no other thing to do except to trust in God. So, so really, there's a blessing in that. You know, anytime you're being mocked or ridiculed or jailed, it forces you to totally to rely upon God. It's never a bad thing to rely on God. Amen? uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend, either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, 
he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.